Welcome back, everyone. It's another episode of Adult Happy Hour, and tonight we are going to be tackling the topic of consent. Welcome, everyone. Before we jump into our episode, just want to say a quick word. I am not a sex therapist or a sex educator. I am simply someone who enjoys talking about all things sensuality, eroticism, uh, sexual pleasure, and sexual health. These are messy conversations about sex um, that are necessary in order for us to ensure that we are defining what pleasure means to us. Um, And as this is our first season, we welcome feedback, especially as it pushes us to be more inclusive. In the future, I hope to be able to provide you with a plethora of resources and to have guests on the show who are experts in these topics. We appreciate your patience with us in advance. All right, so today's topic is on consent. And uh, you know, we always start by defining things around here. So on dictionary.com, it says that consent is permission for something to happen or an agreement to do something. That's the noun. The verb is also give permission for something to happen, which I think is an important distinction that we'll come back to. Um, So I really wanted to um, tackle the topic of consent um, for one of our episodes for the season of Adult Happy Hour because I think that um, some... Uh, not sometimes, but a lot of times when we talk about consent, it can be in a really like jarring way. Um, and, uh, likely because thing like we've observed something happening or a situation where someone did not give their consent to, um, for something to happen. And thus we like, uh, maybe through the news or through social media, um, can like have conversations about what consent is. And, um, I think that, uh, consent should be something that is taught in, um, in pleasure-based sexual education. And so I wanted to talk about it tonight so that we could see that one, it's not, it doesn't have to be such a scary topic to talk about. And two, at the core of consent is really um, talking about one, boundaries, and then two, our ability to communicate those boundaries very clearly with other people. Um, And I think that that is such an important, empowering thing for all of us to be able to do. So we're going to talk about consent. One of the things that I have found interesting as I've been researching consent is that there are different types of consent. There is explicit consent, which means that we've explicitly told someone that we are willing and able to participate in um, a certain activity. And then there's something called implicit consent. Um, Consent where that's like where 
two people may be engaging in a certain activity and there is um, like an understanding of consent. And I think that um, one, like both of those two types of consent that we um, often encounter in like the media and in our own like relationships maybe doesn't always teach us like what consent should sound like and feel like. And so tonight I really wanted to explore um, a type of consent that is called enthusiastic consent. Enthusiastic consent is a term coined to describe not just a mutual verbal agreement to have sex, but an excited one. Um, A sex therapist named Vanessa Marin shared, consent means that you willingly agree to participate in a specific sexual activity with a specific person in a specific context. The idea behind enthusiastic consent is that you're well, enthusiastic about it. You're not just agreeing to do it because you feel pressured to in some way. You're genuinely excited about it. And so I really enjoyed uh, this definition of consent because it, one, reframes the idea of consent in terms of like excitement, which then like lends itself to pleasure versus like something that can be scary or jarring. And then I think As a young person in particular, I wasn't really taught this definition of consent. Well, nobody really taught me down and sat me down and taught me anything like as it related to consent. But I think um, because of that, I found myself in a lot of just really uncomfortable situations where I felt bad like saying no. And so... Like sometimes I would be in in certain sexual situations with a partner where we had already like crossed a certain line or because they had already put in so much work, I might have said yes um, when I really like my first initial reaction was to say no. And I think that there is a distinct difference between like me being able to fully presently say like, yes, I am excited about this and willing to participate versus like, I've said no four times and the fifth time I finally said yes because you keep bugging me about it. So for me, the idea of enthusiastic consent um, has been really healing and making sure that when I am engaging in things with other people that I am like wholeheartedly excited and here for it versus um, just relenting because maybe I feel guilty or feel bad. So um, I think one of the reasons why consent can be um, such a like scary or jarring thing for people to like talk about openly is because um, at least for me, like a lot of the times when I have had conversations around consent, it's been in light of like national, like collective trauma or like um, headlines, um, that I've seen in the news where a woman, um, potentially has been like, uh, raped or sexually assaulted. And there's like a question around consent. And so like, um, one of the most recent cases I can think of is when sex offender, um, Brock Turner was convicted of raping a fellow, um, a university student. And there was sort of this like national public debate 
about his innocence due to her being drunk. Um, and like there was a conversation around whether or not she like could have consented in that specific state. And so I think uh, for me, a lot of times the conversations that I've had with friends or with family members as it relates to consent and just norming around it have been as a result of like observing those things happening in the news. And I think that one of the things that I've learned especially as a kindergarten teacher is like when we're trying to teach people social emotional like skills and coping mechanisms um one of the worst times to teach the skills is when people like are in the moment and actually need them and so i think um as we think about like what consent means for us and how we express or don't express it, it's important to note that like none of us have necessarily been set up for success in this regard um, because we like live in a society where we don't openly have conversations about things like this and just having those conversations are opportunities for norming um, and making sure that we're collectively like keeping one another safe. So one, we need to talk more about stuff like this. Um, and then I think two, when we're thinking about what consent looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Oftentimes, um, like I, I noted in the beginning that nobody actually ever sat me down and had a conversation with me about what that should look like. Um, and so just thinking about like, you know, when you experience discomfort or when you are um, feeling uncomfortable, like in a situation, like that's your body and your intuition telling you that something may feel off and not right. And that those feelings are like good and they help us to like really highlight where we need to set boundaries with people. And so, um, you know, as a young person, I wish someone would have said to me, like, it's okay for you to say, no, I'm not comfortable with this, or I'm not comfortable doing this, but I'm interested in doing this. And just having those like very explicit sentence frames or sexual language so that when we're in situations um, where our intuition and our body is telling us that something is not right for us, we're able to like very clearly communicate that with other people um, and excitedly consent to things. Um, and thinking about how to put myself in more situations where I can enthusiastically um, consent, there's a few mindset shifts about sex that I have had to make. And I would like to tell you um, three of those shifts. So one is... Um, I've alluded to this a bit, but just uh, the idea of centering pleasure. So again, um, sometimes as it relates to consent, I'm often thinking about things that I don't want or things that make me uncomfortable or, or things that I don't want to do. But just thinking about, um, you know, what are the things that like get me really excited? Who are the people that get me really excited about doing those things? And how can I put myself in more situations where I, where I can excitedly say yes to things that are for me um, and start to eliminate things that maybe are not so much for me? Um, 
And so as I think about centering pleasure, I think that also like opens the door to things like we talked about in the last episode, like self-pleasure. So understanding that I don't need anyone to like give myself pleasure and to experience a a spectrum of pleasure in my life. And so if I'm going to say yes to engaging in an activity with someone, um, it's going to add to the bountiful sexual energy that I already have in my life and not like be the center of it. So yeah. Um, I also think that going along with that is um, a huge mindset shift that I've been making is like saying no without feeling guilty. And I don't just mean like practicing saying no, like when I'm in the heat of the moment with someone, but actually like all the way from like the initial talking phase. So like when someone reaches out to me in my DMs that I'm like, uh, maybe instead of saying, uh, maybe I'm like, no, if I'm not excited about it, it's a no for me. Sorry, bro. You seem like a nice person, but it's a no for me. Um, and just practicing like that saying no to people. Um, so there'll, there'll be times where maybe like I'll go to dinner with someone or I'll be even just exploring like having a relationship with someone. And once my body has said no, or once my soul has said no, I'm, I'm going to tell that person in the kindest, nicest way possible that it's a no for me. And so I've been finding myself in less situations, in less high risk situations, because I've been able to understand my no before I even get there. Um, the last mindset shift, I think that goes hand in hand with that, is just like really finding partners that I trust. So, um, that can be like someone that I'm being intimate and romantic with that I'm interested in exploring a deeper relationship with. And that could also be someone who's just like a fuck buddy, but whoever it is, I got to trust them. I got to like, know, like, you know, through kink exploration that we're like aligned in the things that we want to do that like we can communicate and I can't and like, if I feel a no, I could say it and that person's not going to freak out about it. Um, or when the answer's no, they're going to respect it. Like just finding myself with people, regardless of what our relationship is, where they really respect when I say yes and they respect when I say no without trying to convince me otherwise. <clears throat> Speaking of fuck buddies, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about those now. So, um, one, we're, so we're going to move forward with our topic of consent. Um, but in keeping with our pleasure centered and our pleasure based, um, mindset of consent, we're going to talk about a very popular relationship in which we can practice um, naming consent very clearly for our partners in situations that might feel a little bit ambiguous. So we're going to talk about relationships that have um, low commitment and high intimacy. 
Um, one, because these relationships can be a little bit difficult to navigate and they might uh, breed some uncomfortability, uncomfortable, uncomfortability, that's the word, uncomfortability and being able to um, like express to our partner what our boundaries are. Um, but I find that these relationships are really, really great opportunities to practice consent setting and pleasure-based um you know, activism for ourselves. So let's talk about our fuck buddies. <laughs> All right. So we asked our online community um, how many people have experience with fuck buddies. And 76% of people said they have experience and 24% said no experience. Um, I also asked people to rate their fuck buddy experience on a scale of one to 10. And <laughs> people gave it about a six. Um, so IDK what that means, but it's not a 10. <laughs> and then I also, um, asked people, uh, to share with us some of their rules for them and their fuck buddy. So I also asked y'all to share some of your fuck buddy do's and fuck buddy don'ts. Um, and here's what people had to say. Someone said, don't ever cuddle. Scientifically proven that cuddling leads to catching feelings. Fucking leave. <laughs> okay. Someone said, I've had buddies who were strictly only called to fuck and others who were actual friends. Depends on the buddy and what your friendship was like prior. Uh, someone said, fuck buddies are meant for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> Sound life advice. Um, someone shared, do ask questions, do set clear boundaries, do not make assumptions. Love that. Um, somebody else said, do not ask questions you really don't want the answer to. Learning that lesson right now. Um, someone said, do be clear about what you want. Don't keep it to yourself. Um, if your feelings change. Yes, I agree with that. Someone said, don't do it if one or both parties aren't emotionally stable or available. Ooh, I just, I don't think you should do a relationship with anyone who is open about not being emotionally stable, but that's just me. Um, someone, oh, a bunch of people said, don't get attached. Don't catch feelings. <laughs> Don't fall in love or use the word love when you're around them. <laughs> Another person said, don't fall in love. Someone said, be honest and upfront about what you want and continue to check in with the person also. Love that advice. And then someone said, do everything. Don't lie about your feelings. <laughs> okay. Oh, you guys are so funny. So, um... Your online answers and questions uh, sparked an interest in me. And before I share my thoughts and feelings, I thought, I, I thought, like, let me see what the research says about fuck buddies and, like, friends with benefits situations. So, one, I want to note that there are a ton of relationships that have low levels of commitment and high intimacy. One of them is fuck buddies. That's like a friend or an acquaintance that you have sex with regularly, but there's no expectation of a romantic relationship. There's friends with benefits. That's a friend who you might enjoy spending time with platonically and then maybe occasionally and casually have sex with that person. There's no strings attached situations or as black people 
like to call it cuddy buddies. <laughs> and that's a relationship where there's no expectations of commitment or any emotional um, or physical fidelity or support. You just show up, you fuck, and you get out. And then... Um, I thought like sex with your ex is also like an important relationship to include here because, um, you know, sometimes you might like to indulge in intercourse with a former lover, especially if the sex is good, but um, there might not be like a commitment there. And then the last one is a situationship, which that's the space between a committed relationship and um, something that's like more than a friendship, but you may not be certain of what that is. Um, So I feel like I've been in every different kind of one of these (laughs) situations. And the thing that I will say that I have learned is like, regardless of the relationship, communication is really important, especially communicating with yourself and checking in with yourself because um, sometimes like in these particular situations, we can think that we're good until we get to a point where it doesn't feel good anymore. And then communicating to the other person and ourselves that it's not feeling good can be actually like really challenging and difficult. Um And, like, that doesn't feel like enthusiastic consent. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So I also looked at, like, what research says about some of the potential, like, rules for having a low-level commitment relationship with high intimacy. And in HealthyWay.com, they have eight rules. And it says setting boundaries and asking for consent is number one. Protecting yourself. Um, whether that is like, you know, actual like protection or also just protecting yourself emotionally and spiritually, um, communicate openly and honestly, uh, we're going to come back to that idea, have fun and explore each other, monitor your jealousy, jealousy, regularly reflect on what you're looking for and what you're getting out of the relationship which, yeah, Um, know when it's time to move forward or move on. Love it. I love the idea of like regularly reflecting on what you're looking for and what you're getting out of the relationship because the like what feels good and what feels exciting like could change and could become more or less. So if you're regularly setting that space to reflect, then it's just normal to have those conversations with someone else around consent. All right. So with all of that context in mind, I thought that I would think about some of my fuck buddy do's and my fuck buddy don'ts just based on my previous relationships that I've had um, in a variety of situations um, and where I maybe could have advocated more for myself and for my own pleasure or times when it felt good for me to advocate for myself and my own pleasure. So I'm going to start with the do's. So I said, do communicate. That is number one. I am finding now in this season of my life and in this season of my relationships that if there is a block in communication with a partner, it is likely a red flag of something like deeper within the relationship that will come up later. And that's for my fuck buddies, for my young friends who live all over the place, and for 
for my boyfriends and for my husband. Like, if I am having difficulty, like, being open and honest with what I need and what I want, um, usually to me that's an indicator that I need to, like, step back from the relationship or do some reflecting because I should be able to be 100% like authentic with that person um, without fear. That's my second do actually is be authentic and honest about your desires, your needs, and your feelings. Um, Listen, man, life is short. Like if I'm going to get my most pleasure-based, exciting life, Like, I need to be able to say, this is what I want, this is what I need, and this is how I feel. And that allows me to live 100% in my authenticity. And that's what I'm shooting for. Another one of my do's is do have fun exploring your sexuality and getting lost in the passion of it. So some people said, like, don't catch feelings, don't do this. But I don't know about you, but I can't control my feelings. Like, I just feel them. They just happen. And I don't think we should be afraid of that. Like, you know... If 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 the feelings come, they come. But like, also just remember that like exploring and like having sex with someone, it should be fun. And like, don't shy away from the fun of it. Um, the next do that I have is protect yourself, mind, body, and energy. So again, like, you know, something that I'm practicing is, um, like asking people when the last time they wa- it was that they got tested um, because like at this point in time I have multiple sex partners and so I just want to make sure that like we're all protecting each other and protecting ourselves um, using protection and figuring out what type of protection works well for me. I had a partner who like used a, a specific type of condom that I realized like really didn't jive with me. So what a word, jive. <laughs> it really didn't mesh with me. So I asked uh, that person to get uh, a different type of condom so that I could experience like more pleasure when we had sex. But that's one way to protect yourself. It might also be like, you know, being more open or less open with your emotional feelings or like um, putting a little bit of distance or spending less time with a person. Um, But whatever you need, like to protect yourself and your energy, do that. My next do is to recognize that evolution is part of human nature and thus everything in life will eventually evolve or it will die. I think that this is important because um, a lot of people, again, said, like, don't catch feelings, don't fall in love. But actually, like, evolution and growth is just a part of the cycle of life. And so every relationship, every person will either grow or it will evolve or it will die. And so sometimes we need to recognize when it's time for us to grow together with someone or to grow apart or whether just to let that um, relationship like wither and die in the season. And who knows, it may come back, but don't be, escape- don't be afraid of that process. And then last but not least, my do is to understand that every person is an experience and to be grateful 
for that experience and don't covet it. So again, in the realm of things dying or evolving, just understanding that nothing in this world belongs to us. And regardless of whether that person is your fuck buddy, your girlfriend, your friends with benefits, your situationship, whether or not you desire for them to be with you for forever, whether you want them to be like off somewhere else and leaving you alone. I don't know, but just understanding that we do not own them or their experience. All we get to do in this life is experience them. And for that reason, find the joy in it. And if you cannot, then move on. All right. Here are my fuck buddy don'ts. Um, Again, under the, the realm of like, finding more pleasure and consenting to more things in our relationships. Um, Don't play games. I am so guilty of playing games. I am the queen of playing games. I like, yeah, I'm always thinking about strategy, but I think that's also because I've always been kind of like on the defense in relationships. And so I'm always trying to make sure that I don't get hurt or that I hurt someone before they hurt me. And I am learning to not play games when what I really just want is for someone to cuddle me and to just be nice to me. And I want to do the same for them. So yeah, I'm trying to be a little softer. Playing games doesn't necessarily allow me to be soft. Um, another don't that I have is don't hurt people, um, or try your best to minimize harm through boundaries and accountability. So I think that sometimes when we're in relationships with low commitment, um, we can stop ourselves from like talking about things when they don't feel good for us, um, because we don't think that that person is necessarily like accountable to us. But um, I think it's important for us to understand that like when we're engaging in any sort of connecting with another person, like we owe each other human decency. And so the more that we can communicate our boundaries, the more we're able to um, hold one another accountable to creating spaces that feel safe for all of us and that feel like, you know, like we can just like be and not have to like overthink things and worry about them, um, which is actually my third thing. Don't lie to yourself, overthink, or romanticize the relationship. Um, as you communicate openly and honestly, if somebody tells you like, this is what I want, like take them at face value and you should do the same thing. Like communicate at face value so that at the end of the day, when those feelings maybe start to creep in, um, you're not like trying to run away together with someone that like explicitly told you that they are just trying to, I don't know, do X, Y, and Z, whatever the case may be. Um, don't be afraid to catch feelings. Feelings are really normal and really natural. And in the spirit of that evolution and growth, like I would actually be very surprised if after some time you didn't start to have some kind of feelings for someone that you're being intimate with and don't be afraid of them. Like, you know, just because you start to develop feelings doesn't mean that the relationship has to 
change or that it has to stay the same. All you can do is be honest about where you are and allow the experience to flow and trust your intuition and know that when things don't feel good, you'll leave. And when they do feel good, you'll be happy. Um, and then last but not least, oh, wow. I keep like segueing into the next thing. It's kind of crazy. The last thing I have is don't stick around when it doesn't feel good anymore. And I think that this like just is, should like largely be a rule as it relates to consent. When something doesn't feel good, like understand that you don't have any responsibility to anyone except for yourself to make sure that you are not engaging in something that does not feel good to you. So if your like low commitment relationship starts to feel worse than it feels better, it's probably time to let it die and say goodbye. And don't be afraid of that. All right, y'all, it's time for Pillow Talk with Lynn. Um, First, let's listen to some of our friends of the podcast. Hi, Lynn. Congratulations on the podcast. So I know you're touching upon the subject of consent today. When I was growing up, consent wasn't something that was discussed in great detail. There was that standard heteronormative narrative that a man and a woman fall in love and have penetrative sex. When rape and sexual assault were discussed, it was something young girls and young women were taught to be fearful of, and that strangers were the ones you had to watch out for. We know that's not the case, and that girls and women are not the only groups who are targeted and victims of sexual assault and sexual violence. To be honest, it wasn't until my 20s that I started really learning about consensual sex and sexual boundaries. When you're dating, you're faced with a lot of situations where you feel uncomfortable, scared, confused, and even if a sexual activity is occurring or about to occur and isn't violent, there's sometimes hesitation to say something because you're unsure whether or not you want to pursue that activity or there's pressure to pursue that activity. I can tell you that there weren't a lot of situations where um, sexual partners asked me beforehand whether or not I was okay with what was happening. Um, or if they had permission to do something. And I think enforcing sexual boundaries is sometimes difficult and a skill that needs to be taught and practiced. Sex under the influence is something that happens a lot with young adults particularly. And then there's the question of, can sex under the influence ever truly be consensual? That's a whole other topic of discussion, but I'm grateful consent is being discussed. And it's a topic I focus on when facilitating groups for the young people I work with. Because even with more awareness and education surrounding consent, there's still a lot of misconception and learning to be done. Hi, Lynn. Congratulations on the podcast. My thoughts on this topic of consent. As a man, I've noticed that from the beginning that we're not normally taught uh, the topic of consent as a young, at a young age, you know, by our parents, it's normally based off of just, you know, uh, rap your willy, don't be silly type of vibe. My mom, though, she, she told me in my early ages, like, yeah, you're going to do whatever you want. Just make sure that you use protection. Boom. Um, but like what I've learned during sex uh, was like with one of my first girlfriends. Um, 
was the 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 art of being pleased as far as women are concerned as a woman how how it's it's not how they're not turned on as much as men or as fast as men are turned on it's like a different type of switch and you got to you got to lotion up the dry areas you know you got to take your time and mentally please before you physically can do anything and um with that it really like gave me the edge on taking my time and understanding and and accepting boundaries and 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 learning how to give off boundaries and so yes i did have uh friends with benefits slash folk buddy situation and the way we set boundaries at the time was like i i actually didn't know how to set boundaries at first it was just like don't post me type of stuff like it was like real like childish in the, in the beginning but I, I've learned along the way that she wanted to explore more, and and I was down for the like exploring. It's just she didn't know how to go about things. Sometimes she was really blunt about it, and when I say blunt, I mean like not verbally, mostly like on the doing part. She'll just do it, and then like I'll either be in shock or she will be like. Like, whatever. I don't, I don't know. So, like, an example is she was one time giving me fellatio and she, like, sneak a finger up my prostate. And if 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 she would have, like, buttered me up to it, what I mean by that is, like, she would have taken her time out with it. I probably would have would have been as shocked as I was or... I probably would have enjoyed it, but like she didn't even she went in dry. So I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's not how you do this. That's not how you do this. <laughs> like, nah, we ain't doing that. So like she fucked up the vibe. I went soft on her type shit. Like, you don't I believe you don't just explore something that you've never done with a person. Until you guys spoken like spoke about it, that's one thing that we didn't establish. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we also had some people write into us um, about their fuck buddies, and someone said, "OMG, I literally just claimed one today. Then told my friend I need to make sure I come also because niggas are selfish lovers out here." And she told me. To tell him what to do and also to have about 10 minutes of foreplay. <laughs> All right. Well, someone got chose today. So congratulations to her and him. <laughs> and thank you for sharing. Uh, someone else 
said on the topic of fuck buddies, love this. Currently practicing all of this with my friends with benefits. I'm learning to balance on the teeter-totter of expectations and emotions, and I'm becoming very good at it. Protecting your mind and heart is essential. All of this is perfect and sums up exactly how I've been feeling. You're awesome. Aw, thank you. I especially love the part about being grateful for the experience and not coveting. That's the main thing that keeps me grounded and allows me to appreciate the little moments of intimacy. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. I also ask people um, just a follow-up question of like, why are we so afraid of catching feelings and communicating our feelings as it relates to consent and sex? And um, someone said, this is really interesting because through learned experience, once you catch feelings, then you might get hurt etc. But feelings are wonderful and feelings are not the problem. Fall in love as much as you can, but do not fear its shadow. I don't know about anyone else, but I can't stop myself from feeling, nor do I want to. It's about being honest with the feelings you have and communicating them with the other person. If you don't want to vibrate on that level, if they don't want to vibrate on that level with you, then they are not for you. Simple as that, even as a fuck buddy. Love it. Um, someone else responded on the topic of catching feelings and said, uh, laughing my ass off. I don't know. I just find gay men to have a hard time opening up because we have been trampled upon for the most part for so long. So we come into adulthood very damaged a lot of times, especially black gay men. So relationships become hard. And also, I'm not my type's type. Oh. I really appreciate you sharing this vulnerability with me. And I just want you to know that um, we're making space for you. And um, uh, I'm sorry that you feel trampled on. But I think also that's why it's so important to make sure that uh, you are like practicing enthusiastic consent because you are so deserving of pleasure. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for that softness. Um and I think those are all, yeah, those are all the responses we have for this week. So thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, you can participate in the conversation by finding me on Instagram at Poetry N Tings. Um, we talk every Thursday, and sometimes your answers will appear on our podcast. All right. As we close out our episode on consent, I think um, what I'm thinking about is just how we can make uh, like consent a less scary topic for us to like talk about openly. Um, I'm thinking about like, you know, how we teach um sex ed, how we teach abstinence and all these things in schools and in churches, but we really don't spend time making sure that like young people have the tools to advocate for um, their pleasure and also how to like say no to things that make them feel uncomfortable. Like I'm also thinking about how we're all um, have grown up in the system where maybe like degrees of that are true for you. Um, and so every time 
as adults that we practice centering our pleasure and saying no to things that are not for us is sort of like an act of personal revolution that leads us deeper into our most authentic selves and how pleasure and consent are uh, go hand in hand with one another. Um and can be very beautiful things when we know how to advocate for them and when we feel empowered. Um, lastly, I guess I'm thinking about like, you know, how to advocate for our pleasure and what feels good, even in relationships where there's low levels of commitment, how we can um, just use those as vehicles to practice our ways of saying wholehearted yeses and knows where necessary. So all of those things are top of mind for me. I appreciate you all sharing your thoughts um, with us in this episode. And I'm sure that this is a topic that we will come back to um, in the future. So with that, again, remember, like, subscribe, recommend, send, share, follow, whatever the case may be. We appreciate your love and support. um, And we look forward to seeing you again next week for another episode of Adult Happy Hour. Before we go, want to give a few shout outs. First off, shout out to our sponsor, Fly Culture. Fly Culture is a platform for creatives securing dope spaces for hard conversation and liberation. Shout out to Rihanna Simone, our engineer, editor, and producer, and my sister in creativity. Last but not least, our theme song, Natural Phenomenon, also produced by Rihanna Simone, featuring the incredible voice of Tim Brielle. You can listen to the full track wherever you listen to your music. Um, And if you want to find, follow, and support us, you can find links to our email, website, and Instagram in the description for our episode. Thank you so much.